Hey, uh, just, just a thought before we climb into the sermon. Um, I, because of my job, I get to work with a lot of churches. About half my clients are, are uh, churches. And so I get to meet with a lot of churches. And, and I've kind of divided. There's two types of churches. There are I get to go to church churches, and then there are I have to go to church churches. You know the difference? You ever been to I have to go to church? Church? It's the worst, right? Gotta go. Oh, it's the worst. And this is a get to go to church. Like what God is doing here is pretty cool. It is. I hope, I hope every now and then I hope you, you sit back and go, you know, it's good to be a part of something like this. And not everyone gets to be. And I hope you protect it. I hope you steward what God is doing here and take care of the leaders and take care of the people here. Uh, Cause this is a, this is a great church. And, and uh, I just believe this in my soul that um, the church is the hope of the world because it's the keeper of the gospel. And, and uh, I believe that every community that has a thriving church, everyone in that community has hope. Um, and honestly, if you think about it, if a community doesn't have a thriving church, there's only temporary hope for those people. There's no real hope. And so when I think about what God is doing here, I think, man, there's really hope for the people of Avon and in this community around here. And, and like I said, I hope you protect that and take good care of it. Um, all right, let's get into the sermon. Uh, we're in Romans 12, 11. If you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and turn it there. If not, this verse is going to be on the screen. We're going to stay in this verse primarily uh, for the bulk of the sermon today. Romans 12, 11 says this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in what? Let's say it again. Never be lacking in what? Zeal. Zeal. The goal of my sermon today is simple. I want to challenge you to never be lacking in zeal. That's a tall order. Like, Like if you do something every now and then, you can't say you never do it, can you? If you've done it once, you can't say you've never done it. Never's a big word. I looked it up in the dictionary. It means not at any time, or under any circumstance, or in any condition, not ever. To say that you never do something requires resolve, doesn't it? It requires strength, determination, consistency, what you might call grit. So I wanna have some fun with it as we start. How many of you, like students, or remember when you are students, how many of you'd say you're, you, you were a good student? Raise your hand if you say you're a good student. All right, now how many of you never got a C? Ooh, a lot of hands went down, you see that? Really, good job, good for you, he's lying. Okay, right in church, right in church and right to a pastor, good, that's awesome. Some of us are like, C's were great grades, what are you talking about? Um, all right, how many of you are good drivers? Raise your hands, if you're a good driver, you've never, got a, never been in an accident. Ooh, a lot of hands went down, a lot of hands went down. How many of you are vegetarians? Vegetarian. What's crazy is this is the first church I've ever taught at. None. This is my people. All right, Avon, I'm moving. This is, yeah, like whenever I meet a vegetarian, I'm like, have you tried it? It's so good. It's meat. Um, So I've been listening for the word never to come up in conversation, and it almost always comes up as an exaggeration. My kids will never move out of the house. I'm never going to retire. He never talks to me. 
she never stops talking to me. It's rare that we actually mean it. I was having one conversation that caught my attention. I used to do some ultra marathon running, like 50, 100-mile races. And by the way, if you, did, if you were a pastor that did 50 to 100-mile races, it would come up in every single sermon. It does. Um, so I was on a 50-mile race, and you don't go very fast on these races. You just go very far. And so you end up running with people and talking to them as you, as you go. And uh, so... You know, a 50-mile race takes like 14 hours to 13, 14 hours to do. And I talked to a lady from mile, about mile 35 to mile 42. And she told me, we were talking about training, and she said, you know, like, I, I never miss a day. And, and I said, well, what about when you're sick? And she's like, no, I'll get out and run. I said, well, what, what, what if you did a long run the day before? She's like, no, I, I get out and run. I run every day. And I said, I said, what do you mean every day? She said, I ran on the day that I had surgery. I ran a mile. She said, I ran in the airport. And she said, you don't understand. Since 2003, I have never missed a day. And she scampered off in front of me because I had missed lots of days. Um, <laughs> so she was way better at it than me. Um, that's grit. Paul said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Not at any time. Not under any circumstance, not in any condition, not in any situation, not ever. Never lack zeal. It's a, Paul invites us into a grit that few have. Wouldn't you agree? I was first introduced to this verse uh, when I first got married. We, we got married my uh, junior year of college. And we, this is what we said when we got married. We're going to be poor and it's going to be romantic. And we were half right. We were poor. <clears throat> we were destitute. Um, I, during that season, I was a janitor. I, I built my own janitorial company, had a couple clients, and I would get up really early and do that. Um, I took 26 units during school because I was trying to finish, and I was a pretty good student, so the, they let me uh, take extra units. I was uh, on a construction crew building fences um, after I would get done with school, and when that didn't happen, I was an intern at a church uh, trying to figure out how to be a pastor. And I was also in the Marine Corps Reserve. So one weekend a month, I was gone with the Marines and, you know, two weeks every summer. And so I was exhausted during that season. I would literally get up at three and work till 11 o'clock uh, trying, to, trying to make it. And, and uh, I remember driving home from the janitorial company at like six in the morning. And, and I was telling myself, okay, in this season, I'm not, I'm just going to stop chasing God. I'm going to stop with the devotions. I'm going to stop with the reading of the Bible. I just, I don't have time. I'm doing all this stuff. I, I'm just, I got to make it work. And so my next class was the Greek class. And I walked into Greek class and the teacher said, I got a word from you. Open your Bibles to Romans 12. Never lack zeal. And I went, well, dang it. <laughs> that was my introduction to that verse. And it has changed my life because it's got me on the subject of zeal, which I've studied now for 30 years. Um, and so I want to talk to you today about it. I believe that your ability to never lack zeal is the difference in large part between a life of great rejoicing and a life of great regret. Most of us struggle with zeal because we don't understand it. We mistake zeal for passion. And I just want to say to you that zeal and passion are not the same thing. 
Let me explain. Passion is excitement. Zeal is commitment. Not the same. Passion is rooted in the emotion. Zeal is rooted in the will. Passion is a feeling that you get for God. Zeal is a decision that you make for God. Passion is about your heart for God. Zeal is about your strength for God. You ever meet somebody that's got a lot of heart but not a lot of strength for God? It's two different things. As a matter of fact, God doesn't build your life off, your spiritual life off passion. He builds it off zeal. God builds everything in your life off zeal. And, and by the way, I know the word passion is the word we use the most. I'm not saying you should never say passion. Like, don't be weird. Just say passion, mean zeal, okay? Just say passion, but mean zeal. We live in a world that makes much of passion. We even live in a church that makes much of passion and little of zeal, don't we? And I think Paul wrote this verse to help us right-size this. Passion is what a new believer has. It's exciting, it's emotional, it's erratic. Zeal is what a lifelong follower of Jesus has. It's deep, it's steady, and it's resolved. Passion is how you begin with Jesus. Zeal is how you stay with Jesus. Passion can raise his hands in worship, which is great. There's not anything wrong with that. But zeal can say no to temptation when no one's watching. Passion, trust God in the light. Zeal, trust God in the dark. When, fadings, when feelings fade and nothing makes sense. Passion is what a newly dating couple has. Zeal is what a couple married for 50 years has. Passion is what gets you married. Zeal is what keeps you married. Because passion is rooted in the emotion. Okay, I want you to stay with this. Because it's rooted in the emotion, it's untrustworthy. Because emotions are untrustworthy. They come and go. Listen, emotions wander, and if you base your life off your emotions, you're going to wander. People who base their life off their emotions lack character, follow-through, drive, and discipline. It makes you a spiritual wanderer. Zeal is rooted in the will. Zeal is a decision. It's a determination. It's a perseverance. It stays committed when the emotions wander. Zeal makes you a spiritual warrior. People who are zealous are reliable, can do whatever it takes. And I'm not going to tell you passion's bad, although I think it's interesting that in most translations of the Bible, the word passion is never once used in a positive way. Did you know that? It's always fleeting and often negative. I'm not going to say it's bad, I'm just going to say zeal's better. Every single thing God wants to do in your life requires zeal. Emotions come and go. Like, like, you can't, like, think about this. Your passion for God comes and goes, doesn't it? Like, like, think about, like, have you ever had a time where you're so caught up in God that you're like, I think I've gone to the next level. Like, I think I've arrived. I think I'm like, I don't know that I'm ever sinning again. I think I've crossed that line. Like, I'm so into God, we're so, he's so connected, I'm, I'm not sinning ever again. You ever been there? And then like two weeks later, you're so low and you're so down and you feel so distant, you're like, I don't know that I'm ever coming back. I think I'm broke. And what did you do? Nothing. Do you know why? Tide comes in, tide comes out, you did nothing. 
It's just passion. Who cares? You can't, like, you can't never lack passion because you don't get to decide your level of passion. That's how you know Paul's talking about something else. God builds every good thing in your life by zeal. The business that God has in you to form, the family, the character, the spiritual life, it's all zeal. Zeal is what makes you a warrior. Passion makes you a wanderer. And the other thing that, I I wanna talk about this, the other thing that zeal can do that passion cannot do is what I call breakthrough the B zone. I wanna illustrate this. I'm gonna come to the board here. Everything in life goes through three zones, okay? You got the A zone, the B zone, and the C zone. Everything starts in the A zone. New job, it's fun. New, new first day at school, new relationship, right? The honeymoon, you got a new car and that smell. You get your new three-year gym membership. Super fun at the beginning, right? Day one's awesome. Everything starts in the A zone. All the possibilities, none of the problems. That's what the A zone is. It's the honeymoon. And zeal and passion look identical in the A zone. The problem is nothing ever lasts in the A zone, right? The A zone is just the beginning. It's exciting. It's fun. It just doesn't last. A a new job becomes a job. You have a boss, and it doesn't pay as much, and there's politics and whatever. It's just a job. It has problems. There's no perfect job. A new car becomes a car. A new church becomes a church. A new relationship becomes a relationship. A new marriage, like a honeymoon, becomes a marriage. A new gym membership becomes six months in, and your alarm's going off. You're in the B zone. Now there's all the problems. Everything in life enters the B zone. And when things go into the B zone, passion and zeal separate. Passion goes and chases another A zone. Oh, I'm going to go to a new church. Some of you bounce around church. You love being the new person at the church because they give you the coffee cup. And, and then you go to the next church and the next church and the next church. And as soon as you get into the church long enough, you're like, oh, there's problems at this church. I'm going to go to the next church. Oh, there's problems at this church. I'm going to go to the next church. Discipling A-zones. Some of you jump in relationships and just cycle in relationships, cycling jobs, cycling. Like some of you have a three-year gym membership. You have a bike and you have a treadmill and you use none of it. <clears throat> because... You're not trying to build a life, you're trying to chase an A-zone because you like that feeling. Passion makes you wander through things. Zeal fights through the problems to the C-zone where you actually figure it all out. Listen, a life that learns how to break through problems to resolutions is a life of great rejoicing. A life, and, and by the way, that's a warrior. And a life where you just bounce into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing chasing A-zones is a life of great regret. 
and you're a wanderer. Some of you make a spiritual commitment. I'm reading my Bible every day, and you love the excitement, and I feel like I'm, you know, I'm the Apostle Paul. And then you get in there for like two weeks, and then you bail on that one, and then you pick out, oh, you know, I'm going to fast. And you just, you're cycling, and you're not building anything. Stop chasing A-zone excitement. It's not the goosebumps, it's the grit that you build a life after. I'll tell you where I learned this. uh, When I first thought of this, I was talking to a 27-year-old man who had been in college since he was 18 without graduating. That's nine years. My first thought was, your parents must be super pumped. My second college is, my second thought was, how did you do that? Like, how did you do it? It seems really difficult to do. And he, this, is, this is what he said. He said, well, when I graduated high school, I thought I wanted to be an artist. So I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta. And I was doing that. And it was all fun. I got about a year in and it got really hard. So I thought maybe I was called to be a pastor, which randomly he thought being a pastor would be easier than being an artist. I don't know. Maybe. So he went to the Bible college and he got about a year in and guess what happened? So guess what he did? Bounce to the next thing. He did that nine years in a row. You're a wanderer, just wandering in and out of things if you build your life based on passion. God cannot build through that. He can't. He won't. Passion makes you a wanderer. Stop chasing A-zone goosebumps and start chasing C-zone grit. If you want to be part of God changing the world, then you have to become a warrior. It takes zeal to build the business God has inside of you. It takes zeal to build the family. It takes zeal to build the church that God wants to build here. It takes zeal to build the character. It takes zeal to build the spiritual life. Everything worth building in life requires zeal. Wouldn't you agree? Everything. Everything in life that you, that everything you think God has for you, I promise you it requires crashing through B-zones. I started a college ministry. I was a college pastor uh, for a while. And uh, it, it, I, I did it for 10 years. And, and uh, at the end of the, the last two years, there was like 600 college kids. And it was very, you know, we would call it successful, and, and we saw hundreds of kids come to Christ, which is very cool. Um, and, and, uh, but I led it for 10 years, okay? The first eight years were not that. The first year and a half, two years, was in my house. There were five kids, seven kids showing up, college kids, and, and uh, there were times where, like, they, they literally carved, I don't know if it was an uh, eight or an infinity sign, into my kitchen table. They, they destroyed my carpet. They destroyed my refrigerator, um, I, eventually there were 50 kids coming to my house. All my neighbors thought I was running a cult. Um, we didn't even know that till our kids got old enough to go to the uh, bus stop and all the, we met all the neighbors at the bus stop and they all thought we were cult leaders. Um, and so then we moved it to the church and I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was a young pastor and so... You know, at my house, we had pillows and we had candles and we would do a prayer time. We'd have incense. It was all very spiritual. College kids loved it. And I thought, I'm going to replicate that in this worship center. So I got rid of all the chairs 
and I put pillows out and I made these little altars and I had incense and candles burning. I had about 10 of them. So picture 10, this is day one in my worship service, 10 candles, incense burning. And then, you know, all these worship places have lights. I didn't know what to do with the lights. I just turned them all red. Okay, so just if you can picture that in your mind, it looked like hell. <laughs> Smoke and red and pillows and... and I'm not exact. I, I promise you, I watched at least one, probably closer to three, like just sweet young Christian girls, you know, college girls that would just want to study and love Jesus. Like they walk in, see it, and they went, nope, and walked out and never came back. <laughs> I watched it happen. I went, oh, they, they were with me for six months. Well, okay. And then, okay, so I'll tell you who did love it. Um, I, I had done a wedding during the same time for a couple that I met at, at Starbucks. I, I made them a deal because uh, I knew they, they weren't uh, in the church. I said, if you go to, to the church six weeks, I will do your wedding for free. So I just made them a deal. And they came to church six times, and I did their wedding for free. And uh, it turns out all their friends really liked my wedding that I did, and they were all Wiccan, and they all started coming to my college ministry. So now I had all the witches in the neighborhood coming to my college ministry. And they took over for a couple years. They were, it was crazy. They, they, I'm not exaggerating. So I have a college ministry and the high school ministry, like none of them were, none of the high school students graduating were coming into my college ministry. I finally went and asked the high school volunteers, how come none of the high schoolers come into my college ministry? They said, oh, we tell them not to. It's not safe. <laughs> That's my ministry. I led that. Um, and eventually I figured it out it became what it was supposed to be and what God wanted to do. And there's, you know, six, seven, maybe 800 at the, at the top uh, kids in there. Well, when you have 800 college kids, churches start calling you up and asking you how you did it. And suddenly I have churches flying me from all over the country saying, man, we want a college ministry like this. Do you know what my first statement was? Do you have 10 years? And eight of them are gonna be really hard because God doesn't grow anything through passion. The real, real story is not in those last two years. It's in the first eight years of fighting through difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. And they would look at me and I'd say, look, if you want it in fast, I, I don't know, call somebody else. I am on the 10-year plan. It's all I have. It's all I know. I don't know. God doesn't build anything through just fast, zeal, like, off my notes here, but God's not in a hurry. Think about how long it takes to develop a baby. It takes, what, nine months in the womb? How long until an adult? 18 years? God's not in a big hurry. God likes the, the, the growth process. A-zone passion will fire you up to build the life that God has for you. It will. You'll get excited for it. But C-zone zeal will actually work for it long hours when no one's looking and no one's affirming to actually have the life that God's calling for you. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. All of life, all the rewards of life come on the other end in the C zone. If you keep chasing A zones, you're gonna have such deep regret. That's the teaching. You get it? Good. You guys are like, we're done? No, I'm not done. I, 
I have three questions, and, I, and I, I, want, I want you to pay attention to God while I ask these questions, because I think there are three places in Scripture that God tells us he wants us to have zeal and never lack zeal. And, and uh, so at the end of the time, we're going to have a response. I'm going to pray over, over you. Um, and so I want you to know, okay, this is the one that I need to grow in zeal for. So three questions. Here's the first one. How zealous are you for the presence of God? For the presence of God. Not how zealous did you used to be. Don't be a used to be Christian. I mean this season. How zealous are you now for the presence of God? Never lack zeal for the presence of God. Do you realize, I want you to think, all the promises in the Bible, and there's many, God offers so much for those who are zealous for his presence. And do you know that God offers so little for those outside of his presence? Every promise of the Bible finds its fruition in the presence of God. And God promises very little outside of that. And just another thought, do you realize that you're as close to God as you choose to be? You might not be as close to God as you want to be, but you are definitely as close to God as you choose to be because every single obstacle between you and God was removed when Jesus died on the cross and came back to life. Every obstacle was removed. Listen, I'm not done. You're not gonna like the rest of it. Um, I promise you. The only obstacle left is your lack of desire and your lack of zeal. It's the only obstacle left. The Bible calls that lukewarm. And, and that's the big obstacle now. God is waiting for you to draw near to him. Look at the verse here in James. God says, draw near to God and he will do what? Now, who's, in that verse, who's waiting for who? Are you waiting for God or is God waiting for you? God's just waiting for you. And all the good things he has for you on the other side of you drawing near to him. You know that God can heal you from all the things inside of you that are tangled up? Do you know that he can? He can heal all of it. All of it. But you do have to be in his presence to find that healing. And he's just waiting for you. You know that God can guide you? He can give you discernment and direction and tell you exactly what you need to be doing next. But it does happen in his presence. Very little outside of his presence. You know that you can overcome the sin that you've been struggling with? And I just want you, I want to think about this. Like, we know this. Most of the time, the sin in our life, it's not that we can't overcome it. It's that we don't want to overcome it. It's won't. At this point, it's won't. Just a thought. Whenever I say just a thought, it's gonna, you're not going to like it, just so you know. Um, just a thought. Uh, most of us have been Christians long enough that we've already given up all the sins we wanted to give up. Right? The ones you didn't like are gone. The reason the ones are left is because you kind of like them. That's the only reason they're still there. And the lie you tell yourself to justify having those sins is I can't. But it's not I can't, it's I won't. And in God's presence, he can give you the strength to overcome that. Even the inner sins, even the, the heart level sins, God can overcome in your life. 
He can give you his mind. He can give you his holiness. Everything that God offers, he offers in his presence and he's just waiting for you. It does take zeal to draw near, doesn't it? It takes zeal. You know that the Hebrew word for seek, uh, the most commonly Hebrew, uh, used Hebrew word in the Old Testament is darash. And darash is a word picture uh, like many Hebrew words. What it means, it, it's the picture of somebody, if you picture like a, a forest and somebody walking back and forth between one point and another until there's a well-worn path. Darash. Can you wear out the path to God? And the Bible says, if you seek him, you will find him. It doesn't mean one time. It means darash. Yes. Over and over, wear out the path to God. And when you wear out the path to him, you will find him. It takes zeal. So how zealous are you these days for the presence of God? That's the first question. Second question, again, just listen to God, how God might be stirring. How zealous are you for the church? For God's church? David wrote in Psalm 69, verse nine, zeal for your house consumes me and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. The house, zeal for the house consumes me. Back then the house was the temple. Today the house is the church. With all its flaws and all its failures, the church is the center of God's activity on earth. And David said his zeal consumed him. And he so, think about this, he so identified with the house that when people insulted the house, it was like they were insulting him. That's zeal. I think it's become kind of common and even trendy to insult the church. We're not with David like identifying it. Sometimes we're the ones insulting the church. And uh, I just, I just want to invite you to a thought. And and uh, I like all the I like the church in all of its expressions. I do. None of them are perfect. I like all of them. I, like I'm, I was part of a church that was about 15,000 and I know when people hear that, they go like, oh, you must have sold out, you know? And, and uh, like I always think, my first thought is always, so you think we were so bad, it just grew big. That's, that's, what, that's like Stockholm Syndrome. We treated people so poorly, they just felt loyal to us. Um, or do you think we might have been pretty good and God was doing great things and there was an amazing move of God and it was very complicated to try to serve that many people and it wasn't perfect. I like big old churches. I like all churches. I like home churches. I like medium-sized. I like denominational churches. I like non-denoms. I love the crazy charismatic churches that have like fire on the side of the church van. You know what I'm talking about? And there's like fires in the name of the church like three times. I like churches that are super liturgical and they know what they're doing next Sunday because it was planned a thousand years ago, literally. Think about that. They planned it a thousand years ago and they're still doing it. I love it. Great. Hope you win. I like churches, the granola organic churches. They don't even know what they're doing five minutes from now. Good. I hope it wins. It's a church. I, I like it all. I, like, listen, a church doesn't have to be what I prefer for me to want it to win. It doesn't. It's the church. And I know some of you would say, well, the church hurt me. And I've heard that and I've had my moments. I just have a thought. The church didn't hurt you, a person hurt you at church. Amen. 
That's not the same thing. The church is the bride of Christ, the keeper of the gospel, and the hope of the world. And it didn't hurt you. A person did. And, and without the church, we would all be spiritually adrift. And so that's a perspective, perhaps, that I think God would have us share. And, I, and just for me, I would gladly give all my time and energy and resources to see the church advance because of what it means. And I feel like, I don't know why I say this, but I feel like I could have made so much money if I did something else, but instead I wanted to see the church win. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, and it just, it's good. I want it to. You guys are like, wow, that's a lot. Okay. How zealous are you for the church? How zealous are you for the church? That's the second question. Here's the third one. How zealous are you for the lost? To see the next lost person come to Christ. How zealous are you? In John 4, the disciples go to town. Like they're hungry. Jesus and the disciples are hungry. The disciples go to town and Jesus goes to a well. Because the disciples went lunch, but Jesus knows there's a life to change. And the disciples come back and they've eaten, and they find Jesus, and they say, did you get anything to eat? Do you know what Jesus' response to them was? I, listen, I have food that you know nothing about. He's talking about his desire to see this life change, and he says, it is like food to me. That's zeal. He was so fired up and committed and determined to see this woman at the well's lives change that he didn't go to lunch. And when they asked him about it, he said, I have food you know nothing about. How zealous are you for the next person to come? It can't get old to see someone come to Christ, right? It can't. I remember the first time I led somebody to Christ. Um, I'm gonna tell you the story. I, was, I, was, I, was a, I became a Christian in college and I was two months into being a Christian and I was sitting in the student lounge at my college and it was the first time I felt God talk to me. And he said, see that guy, you know, there's a bunch of round tables. He said, see that guy over there? I'm like, yeah. He said, I want you to tell him about Jesus. And I was like, oh, no, a bad idea. Uh-uh, that's not gonna happen. Anything but that. And, and, and you ever have an argument with God? So me and God were just arguing about that and, and debating about whether I should do that. And I'm like, I'm obviously not the right person. Send someone, it's two months. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Send someone else, you know. And, and finally the guy gets up and leaves. And I was like, thank God. And then I was like conviction of like, what if he gets hit by a bus and I was the last person, I was his hope for the gospel, you know. So I, I said a prayer, not because I wanted anything. I just wanted to feel better. I said, God, if you make him come in here and sit back down, I'll tell him about you. Sure enough. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And so I walk up to him and I say, hey, I noticed you left and came back. Where'd you go? He said, well, I went to my class and I remembered we don't have that class today, so I came back to do more work. And I went, oh, that's awesome. And, and so he comes in and I said, do you mind if I sit with you? He said, yeah. And I said, hey, I feel like God wants me to tell you about Jesus. And he said, and this is in California where I grew up, Okay. He said, oh my God, I've been wanting to know about Jesus. Yeah, please sit down. Which in California, that's a miracle. <laughs> but now I was in real trouble because I'm a brand new Christian and I don't really know what to say. And so I just start saying stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm like, like it was gospel mixed in with like probably Atkins diet and like you should go to bed early and probably some Star Wars references in there. And I was just like, here's everything I know about anything. Do you want it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, man. And so we prayed right there in the student center for him to become a Christian. It was very cool. And then listen, I got out of there. I did. I bailed on him so hard because I knew he wanted more and I had, I was already making stuff up and I avoided that guy the rest of the semester. And, and I did. I, every time I saw him, I went, the, I ducked out because I knew he was, you know, like he wanted all this stuff. For, I had, I was already making stuff up. Two years later, I go to my friend's wedding. Guess who's the sound guy at some random church? This guy. And he walks up to me and he says, do you remember me? And I said, yeah, I remember you. He goes, man, I looked for you that whole last semester. And I was like, I don't know what happened, sorry. <laughs> he said, that day in the student center changed my whole life. Amen. He said, I found myself a church and I got involved and now I'm serving here. I'm the sound guy at the church and I, I've got to, I mean, his whole life was impacted by what happened that day. That can never get old. True? Amen. That can never get old. I want to be part of that for the rest of my life. Whatever that is, I want more of that. That's what we're doing here, folks. Because of, like I said, because of my job, I get to, you know, see a lot of churches and I get to see a lot of communities. And whenever I see a church that is white hot, praying for and actively chasing the lost, I think, okay, that community's gonna be fine. But it's far too easy to drift a little cold, right? And Jesus says to us, I have food you know nothing about. I have food you know nothing about. This is the church. It is not a machine. It's a mission. Don't just crank out another Sunday and another sit through and take your notes. And this is an all out rescue mission for people who are destined for hell without it. And it can never get old that we would go chase them down and do anything in our power. It's easy to drift from zeal, isn't it? That's why Paul told us Never be lacking in zeal, not on any circumstance, not on any occasion, not at any time, not ever. Don't lack zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. There is a difference between a spiritual wanderer and a spiritual warrior, and the difference is zeal. And I told you we're gonna have a time of responding to the message, and... Uh, it's really not between me and you. It's really between you and God. And I want to pray for you and, and lead us in a time where we can respond to what God might be stirring inside of us. So can we pray together? Yeah. Father, first of all, I want to thank you for uh, this church and what you're doing here and the staff and how, how mighty you are in this room. I pray, Father, that you would, you would awaken zeal inside of this church. You would use this church. It would be a beacon 
of your presence and that lost people would find it. I know that some of you likely are sitting here and the Holy Spirit's been messing with you and you're thinking, man, I I don't know. I, I think I might be lacking zeal. I think I might be a little bit more of a wanderer sometimes than a warrior. I'd love to pray for you. And if you would just raise your hand and just say, you know, I need zeal. Will you pray for me that God would give me zeal? Will you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Father, I I pray that you would share some of your zeal for them and give some of your zeal to them. And these ones that are raising their hand, I pray that you give them strength to push through B-zones. Whatever that B-zone is, whatever that difficulty is, that challenge, the breakdown, I pray that you give them strength, whether it's in a marriage that's just struggling right now or it's a faith that is struggling or a business, finance, character. Father, I pray that you give them strength to push through the B zone that they're in and find their way to the C zone where all of rejoicing is. I pray for this congregation that you make them spiritual warriors. And thank you for what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. here, if we can go ahead and just bow our heads. Um, I just want us to continue in that spirit of just worship and just knowing that there are decisions that can be made in this room that we know that there is life change, that there is things beyond zeal too, that when you make that decision, we say, God, I just wholeheartedly give that. And there are some people that maybe have not made that decision today. So if that is you, uh, just go ahead and raise your hand. And we just are so excited for that decision that would be made. And together in this room, we're going to say this prayer together so that people would not feel afraid, but uh, just say this prayer with me. God, I have been living a certain way that is not in tune with you. And God, I ask that you would just change me from the inside out. That you would help me that you would align me with what is with you. God, so I ask that you would get it to a place where I decide to have you be the leader of my life. The old me is gone and the new me is here in your name. God, we just praise you. Amen. Come on, let's just hear it for those decisions made today. 
Let's go ahead and stand on our feet. We're going to close out in worship. We sang this earlier. Hallelujah to the one who came and made a way. But I just want to pray a prayer of blessing, and then we will sing this out. God, we just know that in this room there are lives that have been changed or the things that have been done. God, that we just know, again, as we go out through our week, we just want to be a light for you. We want to be that seal. So we just pray it for you, God, to just change in us in a mighty way. In your name we pray. Amen. down here. Come down if you need them. Have a good one.